You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. Well, I'll tell you right now, Bills Mafia, I am exhausted, not only from all covering a like a late game here, but what an absolutely scintillating Sunday night football game between the Las uh, Vegas Raiders, the Los Angeles Charters goes down to the wire overtime, historic performance from Justin Herbert falls short. We'll get into all of that. Obviously, before that, the Bills securing the AFC East crown in week 18 with a, in the end, pretty commanding 27 to 10 win over the New York Jets. Uh, this is the Shout Buffalo football podcast in your life on this early Monday morning. A lot to talk about. We're brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your neighborhood store with more, whether you're celebrating at home or away this week. Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football entertaining. Or any occasion, we're going to get into this thing. We got a game to talk about, a matchup to begin to talk about. Ryan Talbot, how are you? I am exhausted as well, Matt. But, I, you know, I'm excited to talk a little bit about this Bills-Jets game and then look ahead to Super Wild Card Weekend and the tiebreaker between the Bills and the Patriots. So I guess before we get too much into the game, let's react to what just happened. And first and foremost... If you're a Chargers fan right now, I, I I don't know where you kind of fall on this. Number one, like it was weird on the on the final drive, Brandon Staley called a timeout where I almost feel like if you're the Chargers, aren't you just like dying for them to just run out the clock, knowing that no matter what happens here, both teams in the tie make the playoffs. So the Raiders didn't really have a lot of pressure on them to rush down the field and kick that field goal because they it, you could see it in Derek Carr's eyes as he was coming off the field he knew whether uh, Carlson made that field goal or not they were going to the playoffs and I feel like Brandon Staley calling that timeout was just kind of funky I don't know yeah it was a, it was a terrible play because even David Carr or Derek Carr said after the game you know that changed the entire strategy when he called that timeout I think they were very content just to let the time kind of run out. They weren't going to try to get into field goal range, but when that happened, they saw, okay, well, if we don't get the first down, they might burn another one, try to get us to punt. 
uh, or try to get us to force a long field goal where maybe they can try to do something late. So Staley, super aggressive coach in terms of his play calling, going for it on fourth down, uh, even before tonight's game. He was a super aggressive here in overtime, and it was really costly in terms of costing his team a chance to be in the playoffs this year. So it's something that's going to be talked about a lot. Uh, sports broadcasts, sports center, you name it, all the morning shows tomorrow. I'm sure it's going to be a topic of discussion. You know, Justin Herbert was spectacular in the fourth quarter. I mean, the guy has five fourth quarter comebacks this season. You could see why. I mean, when the when the pressure was the most, uh, he rose to the occasion. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, he started getting into the thought a process about would it be better for the Bills if they had to face the Patriots or they had to face the Chargers. And that would have been the case had the Chargers won or the game ended in a tie. The Raiders win, so that means the Patriots now come to Buffalo for round number three. Uh, AFC East rivals are going to battle. And I think in the end, Ryan, I probably fall more on the side that I think the devil sometimes that you know is 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 better than the devil that you don't. And I thought the Bills did a pretty good job defensively against Justin Herbert last year. And I think that he would have had his own challenges. But I think we're at a point in this season where Mac Jones is is right now just dealing with a, it has to be a lack of confidence. I mean, he has been bad over the course of the last month outside of a three touchdown performance against a Jacksonville defense that was missing some pieces. Josh Allen had just come back off the COVID list. And so he called his performance today embarrassing. Uh, the, the the Patriots lose to the Miami Dolphins. I think this is a pretty good situation for the Bills. They know what they have to do to beat the Patriots. And I think the weather, early on at least, looks like it could be decent. Yeah, listen, the devil that you know, as you put it, they, they have a quarterback that doesn't really throw much past the line of scrimmage where had Justin Herbert come to town, uh, you have Keenan Allen, you have Mike Williams, you you have a lot of talent in that receiving room at tight end, and you have a secondary that really would have been tested. It would, it would have been a very tough matchup for that secondary, minus Trey White, who's obviously been out for quite some time now with that uh, ACL injury. That, that would have been, I think, in my opinion, the, the worst of the two matchups. Now, mind you, it's still going to be a very tough matchup against New England. You're getting Bill Belichick for a third time, who obviously is going to come with a different strategy than what the Patriots attempted in this last game against the Bills. Weather could be a factor, but between these two teams, especially after what you saw on Sunday Night Football, where where the Chargers battled back from 15 points down to tie it up in regulation, um, made multiple fourth down conversions in this game. Uh, I definitely think that this is the better of the two matchups for the Bills, but you know we'll wait and see how that all plays out on Saturday. All right, so let's get into what we saw here today. It was a, it was an offensive struggle for the second and third quarters. I mean, you know, the Bills came out on their first two possessions. They went touchdown field goal, and you thought it was going to be kind of a blowout. And then it, it goes turnover on downs, punt, 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 field goal, punt, 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 punt. Seven punts in eight drives for the Bills offense. They score, they come back, they figure it out in the fourth quarter and score two touchdowns. Not the performance that I think Bills fans wanted to see from this offense against a uh, Jets defense that's the worst in the league against the run, has been allowing the most yardage in the league this season. They're the the worst uh, scoring defense in the NFL. I mean, there's a lot of really bad stats here and this offense came out and couldn't figure it out in those middle two quarters. Now I will say this is a Jets team that's been playing pretty inspired ball. They got some guys, I think playing for 
jobs next season. And, you know, Robert Salah, defensive head coach, seems to like have this defense going in the right direction. But even with that said, I mean, I guess where's your level of concern with what we saw out of for, you know, a big portion of this game, the struggles that this offense had? Yeah, I, I think there's a fair level of concern there. You mentioned it. Touchdown field goal, first two drives, they get the blocked punt. They have excellent field position and they don't get any points on that drive. That's the turnover on downs. And you mentioned the fact that they then punted on seven of the next eight series. And listen, most of those punts were duds by by Matt Hawk. Uh, one that was down within the two, that was a nice one. Another one down around the 18, but for the most part, kicking it off the side of his foot confidence issues then he botches a a snap that was thrown right to him uh, and it ends up being a seven yard punt he kept the the Jets in this game single-handedly and luckily the Bills defense rose to the occasion but sticking to the offense and just the offense I I think there is a little bit of reason to be concerned Josh Allen has not played the best football over the past two weeks against pretty bad defenses in Atlanta and the Jets and you mentioned the Jets playing more inspired football. There is some talent there with Mosley and Quinn and Williams, but the the passes were off today. I know the the wind again was a factor. The offense was just kind of stagnant in the second and the third quarter. And maybe they were going with a very vanilla game plan. They don't didn't want to show too much knowing that they might be playing the Patriots for a third time. So looking at the scoreboard, seeing that the Patriots were pretty much down from the get go, 14, nothing at one point. And, uh, while things got close there late, the the Dolphins did enough to pull away. We'll we'll know more about that maybe as time goes on. But I, I'm a little concerned about this offense. Devin Singletary is running the ball well. Stephon Diggs is still Stephon Diggs, but Josh Allen has not been sharp these last two weeks. As you look into the the playoffs, I think that you know they, they figured out. I think based on today and you know some of these other games over the course of the past six or eight weeks. To be effective, they really do need Josh Allen to be that dual threat. And I think that the offense really started opening up, you know, when he ran it in the fourth quarter. He had three runs for most of what ended up being his 63 yards on the ground this game. And that's really what keeps defenses off balance. And, you know, I think when he runs the ball pretty well, you know, and Devin Singletary kind of gets things going. I mean, he averaged 4.6 on the ground today. He had 88 uh, on the ground. He had 24 uh, receiving over a hundred yards, two touchdowns for Devin Singletary. If you want to take a bright spot out of this game and maybe even the last four weeks has been what the bills have found in Singletary. They've moved away from this committee approach. They've gone to a one back featured um, offense. And I think that it's, it's, behoove them it's benefited them because Devin Singletary is much more confident I think that they have a much better idea going into the game of how they want to attack teams because they know who they're going to be giving the ball to in a lot of these situations and I think you know it it took them a while to find this kind of uh, model this this identity but I think it works in a lot of different ways yeah, six touchdowns in the last four weeks for Devin Singletary as a runner and a receiver. Uh, had one of each again today, over 100 total yards of offense. You know, th- they've really figured it out over the last four weeks, and he's going to be going into the playoffs with his confidence sky high. Um, he's really been an asset in, in the red zone. Again, when you give him the ball, uh, when, whether it's five or six yards out, which we've seen over the past few weeks, or one yard out today, and then you get him on the, the short catch, uh, he has been another dangerous player for the Bills deep down in opposing teams territory where, you know, you already have to look for Stefan Diggs and you have to 
look for Dawson Knox and, and there's Gabriel Davis who's so good. All of his touchdowns coming in the red zone. Well, now you throw Devin Singletary in this mix. You might be getting him in Emmanuel Sanders back in time for this uh, super wild card weekend game. There's just so many weapons that you're hoping that Josh Allen can kind of figure things out, but it's good to see the way that he's running. Uh, this is the best that I've seen him play uh, in his Bills career, and I think a lot of it has to do with the Bills showing confidence in him being their lead back. Let me throw a stat out here, Ryan. I mean, it's it's crazy. 14 targets for Gabriel Davis today. Three catches for mm. 39 yards. On 14 targets. I tweeted it out. You know, the Bills have been playing kind of the slow game with Emmanuel Sanders. I've been a big fan of Gabriel Davis and what he's brought to this offense. I thought this was maybe one of the worst games I can remember with Gabriel Davis. And I think in a lot of ways, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to get Emmanuel Sanders back if he's 100% healthy give him a little bit more of the lion's share of targets and let Gabriel Davis settle into that role that, you know, he was comfortable in a season ago where he was kind of that third, fourth option, uh, depending on the matchup, can make a couple big plays, a couple big splash plays. I think they can get him involved in, in, in certain packages, you know, that they, that, that they feel like they can, you know, if I'm Brian Dable, I go back to the well and I maybe look at the last a hundred snaps, 200 snaps that Gabriel Davis has had and figure out where has he been the most successful and then, you know, make sure that you get that in, involved in your game plan going to the game. And so I know that I'm going to have Gabriel Davis in these game situations. It's where he's excelled, but they went out and signed Emmanuel Sanders. They gave him around eight, $9 million for this time of the year. This is a big time player with big time playoff experience, Super Bowl experience. I think that getting him back next week could be some, maybe not against the Patriots, but maybe, you know, looking beyond that, if the Bills can get a win against New England, who, by the way, opened as a four point underdog to the Bills uh, here at Highmark Stadium. You know, you look at Kansas City, you look at some of the, you know, Cincinnati, uh, Tennessee. I think getting Emmanuel Sanders back and, and utilizing him can be something that, you know, the, the, the Bills look like, the Bills look at. Yeah, absolutely. And listen, of those double-digit targets for Gabriel Davis, there were some that were just inaccurate balls from Josh Allen. There was a miscommunication where it looked like he kind of stopped on the route or he went the wrong way. Uh, circus catch near the sideline that he usually makes that he bobbled and dropped. I think there was one play along the sidelines where he only got one foot down. So there are a few plays where he almost came up with the play, but it, it doesn't all fall on him either because, again, Allen was off the mark for a lot of this game, second, third quarter, but by, by all means, you don't want to have too much on his plate if it's overwhelming to him. If you can have another weapon like an Emmanuel Sanders who can hurt defense, who's so smart and can be uh, another presence just even in the huddle uh, in terms of maybe what the Patriots are trying to throw at the Bills next week because it'll be something different, like I, I said. It's not going to be the same thing that they saw in the last matchup. Uh, it, it will all help. But Gabriel Davis still has a big role on this team, especially in the red zone, and I think he's going to have a bounce-back performance in this playoff game coming up on Saturday. We're going to get to this big defensive performance and, you know, big season for this defense. I mean, they finished basically first in total defense, scoring defense, passing defense, and probably a few other categories that, you know, we'll, we'll kind of comb through over the next couple of days. I mean, it's, it's a defensive unit that's just been so impressive this year, led by Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, uh, with Tredavious White out of the mix. We'll get into all of that. But before we move on, I, I thought, you know, a couple things I want to note. First and foremost, we don't have to get up too much into it right now, but uh, Josh Allen in this game 
not sacked a single time mm. once again. The pass protection, and listen, this is not a very good defensive line for the Jets. Uh, I think that they were uh, they played well today. They got pressure on Josh Allen. They made him move around, but it's not a great unit. But I thought this offensive line played pretty well again this week. They're going to need to continue that next week against Matthew Judon and that New England uh, Patriots defensive front. But Isaiah McKenzie, I think we're at a, the stage, and maybe specifically for this matchup and how you utilize it and how you adjust. I think you have to have a couple different ideas and plans going into the game against the Patriots. Cole Beasley, again, another game mostly ineffective. He had a couple catches uh, you know, at, at interesting times, but I wrote about it in, in in my first initial thoughts. I think it's time to get Isaiah McKenzie officially a bigger role in this offense moving forward. I, th- I think that's fair. I think it's a good idea, especially based on that performance the last time that they played. Maybe today the game plan was we, we're going to ease off on him a little bit on offense because they had him as their kick returner. They had him as a punt returner. The first two punt returns didn't go so well. So then uh, they kind of had him more utilizing the offense again. I think get him out of the return game utilize him as a receiver. He showed what he could do the last time. Uh, depending on what the Patriots are doing next on Saturday, zone man, zone looks versus man looks or whatever the case may be, you know, utilize McKenzie, use, use those talents, use that strength that he showed in the first matchup to, to beat that defense because I think he can do it again. Uh, there's something to be said about that. And then offensive line, yeah, a uh, third straight game where Josh Allen has not been sacked. I think he had five hits, pressured multiple times, but that's going to happen in a game. And then they allowed the Bills to run for uh, 170 yards, I believe, after the kneel downs by Mitch Trubisky. Uh, and, and they had a solid average in the, in the run game as well. So this offensive line, that is one thing that they have figured out over the past three to four weeks. And that's a good thing to have figured out going into the playoffs. All right, let's get into this defense, Ryan Talbot. Let's start with, you know, the, the, the player that maybe jumped off, you know, the broadcast or, you know, here watching it live. What's one player that you thought today was just impressive and dominant? At Oliver. Um, there was one play where he literally timed the snap count perfectly and he got to Mac Jones before Mac Jones could even hand off the, or Mac Jones, my goodness, I'm already looking ahead to Saturday. Uh, he, he got to Zach Wilson before Zach Wilson could even hand the ball off to the running back and he almost created a fumble on that play. He had, uh, one and a half sacks as well. He was just all over the place. And mind you, the defensive line as a whole was outstanding. The defense as a whole was outstanding. But I just think Ed Oliver just jumped off the page with his play today. What about you, Matt? You know, Oliver is a great selection. And honestly, if I had, you know, one to pick, I'd probably go in that direction too. I'll give some love to Jordan Poyer. I mean, this is a guy that all season long has just been so consistent and so important to what they do, even more so when Tredavious White goes out. I mean, you look at those two guys on at the back end, And I think Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace have been great. But, you know, I think it comes down to, you know, the confidence that they have in the guys behind them that really helps lead them. And and what Poyer does in so many different areas of the game, four tackles, two sacks today, the season that he's had, he had a, a quarterback hit, two tackles for a loss. I mean, just flying around. He's got five interceptions on the season. Poyer has just been so consistent and so great. And, you know, I was listening to Greg Cosell does a weekly hit with uh, Chris Brown and Steve Tasker. And I usually listen to Cosell every week, he uh, wherever I can get him. 
Uh, guy's seen so much football. He's got so much knowledge. And he they, they got to talking about Poyer and Hyde this week. And it's it's funny because they get there's this perception of lack of respect. And he's like, I don't think that that is necessarily the case within the league. But if you look at some of the big time safeties in the league, you're probably not going to take a Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde over a Tyron Matthew or, you know, some Kevin Beard or some of the, the other big time players, even in the conference. But when you talk about what they mean as a tandem and to this defense that has been so good against the pass since they got here, I mean, what a spectacular performance. And they're playing at a really confident level. And now I don't want to overreact to what the defensive line has done the last couple of weeks. I mean, the opponent has to be part of the evaluation. I mean, doing this against the Jets and the Falcons, I mean, those two offensive lines aren't very good. They're going to face a better one next week. They win that game. They're going to go to Kansas City and face an even better one the following week. So you have to continue to do this as you move through these games. Um, but one big thing as we kind of maybe transition a little bit, Ryan, I was told that there was a juggernaut in Indianapolis. I was told that all season long by a few people on a social media website called Twitter.com. And I, and I pushed back and I said, to me, I'd call them closer to a mediocre team than I would a juggernaut. At the time when they beat the Bills, handily, 45 to 15, they were at about a 500 team. And I thought that there was a good chance that they could finish the season 500. That's exactly what happened. And they lost their final two games, got dismantled by the Jacksonville Jaguars today. No Indianapolis Colts in the playoffs. What does that mean in terms of how things change with how you view what the Bills potentially can do in terms of getting on a run and getting to the Super Bowl? Well, I thought they were one of the teams that the Bills did not match up with very well just because of the fact that they have a star running back in Jonathan Taylor. Mind you, Carson Wentz, though, not a great quarterback, so it still would have been a winnable game. You, I know you look at the first matchup, and it was a lopsided loss for the Bills. Uh, but I, th- I think a potential rematch, that would have been the Bills would have been inviting that, trying to uh, show that that was not the team that they were. You're right. It's it's interesting because at one point they looked like the hottest team in the league. They they beat the Bills. They beat the Patriots. All all things are going well, and then things just fall apart late in the season. That uh, late loss to the Raiders, getting blown out by Jacksonville. I think Trevor Lawrence started 11 for 11 and something like 15 15 of his first 16. He just came out slinging the ball. Uh, Taylor couldn't get going. Wentz was the you know Wentz the the guy that we've seen over the last month or two who really struggled and and you know Frank Reich probably thought that he could bring Wentz back to the to where he was with the Eagles and it just didn't happen and they invested a lot in him and it didn't pay off this year so this was kind of a lost year for that's the stud back that you have the great offensive line it just show goes to show you uh how quickly things can change here and even going to tonight's game how the Pittsburgh Steelers and their fans had to be biting their their fingernails watching that one go down to the wire had it been a tie, they would have been eliminated after everything had fallen into place so nicely for them. So, you know, the Colts themselves, they fell apart late in the year. Maybe good news for the Bills just because that's one less team to, to play. But if you do look across the AFC, you do have the Chiefs playing a little bit better despite having a little bit of a stinker against the, the Broncos. Uh, you do have the Tennessee Titans getting healthy at the right time. Henry's coming back. They have Brown. They have Julio. So it's going to be tough. The Bills obviously have to get by the Patriots first, but this conference is pretty stacked. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.
Uh, from Hot to Go Pizza and Appetizers, signature fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, to delicious salads and brownie trays, Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. Make sure you get over to Tops this week. Uh, get yourself hooked up. You know, you're looking at this Bills defensive line, Ryan. I think that they've finally landed on a group that they can really trust in terms of the rotation. You know, Boogie Basham comes in here, the rookie, and, you know, he's made the most of some opportunities this season. I think he finishes, uh, let me look this up, and maybe you have the number off the top of your hands. He had a a sack today. Uh, I think on the season, he may have three sacks, I want to say. Two and a half sacks on the season. That's not bad for the kind of snap count that Boogie Basham has had a guy that, you know, I think has come in here and, and, and made some plays when he's been given the opportunity to make them. Ely Anku was not called up today. You know, Starla Tule looked like he was much more in the mix. Effie Obato was out. So you're looking at probably Addison Hughes, Rousseau, Epinesa, Effie Obata, and maybe that hybrid role. And then it's going to probably be, um, Harrison and Ed Oliver and then Starr and Vernon Butler. And I think you've landed at your nine there going into the playoffs. I think that we're going to see that pretty consistently. And I think they like what that offers. It probably leaves Bookie Basham as the odd man out. But at this stage, I, I think that you can kind of play the matchups. And I, I just don't think Bookie Basham, even with a game that he had today, has done enough to earn a spot once you get into these. You're not going to address 10, 10 defensive linemen. No, but it's a good problem to have, to have this kind of depth and talent. And if something were to happen uh, in the playoffs, you have someone waiting in the wings. You know, you wrote a really good piece on maybe Shaq Lawson being a potential practice squad's uh, signing after being let go by the Jets. And that's just another guy, you know, have have all the ammo, have all the guys waiting that could possibly help this team make a run. But right now, you're right. They, they found that. Uh, sweet spot in terms of how they want to use their guys. We're seeing the young players really show up. Uh, Epineza had a late game sack. He had a pass defense uh, on the drive where uh, the Jets were really far backed up, where it looked like almost hit him in the helmet. You have Greg Rousseau making a ton of plays in the run game, has a pass defense. Boogie Basham, you mentioned. Then you have the Vets playing well, too. Hughes with half a sack, Addison with two. So they're, they're getting that production. And then on the inside, you're still seeing Harrison Phelps blow up a lot of plays at Oliver getting in there left and right. Star Latule back in the mix. And, you know, Vernon Butler for, for what he is, I thought he, he flashed a few times today as well, getting after Zach Wilson. Uh, so maybe those inactives were – Maybe the message was received, I guess, is the best way of putting it when it comes to Vernon Butler because he has been a disappointment in his stint here with the Bills, but I thought he had one of his better games today. So going forward, let's see if he can build off of this performance at entering the playoffs. I want to talk about two more things before we get out of here. Let's go back to your, you, you brought up Shaq Lawson. And, you know, Lawson was cut by the Jets right before this game. He's been a healthy scratch two of the last three weeks. And, you know, I mentioned it, it to me, it'd be a no brainer for the Bills to go out and try to add him to his, to the practice squad if he clears waivers, which I, I predict that he will. I think it's, you're going to have to pick up his $9 million for next season. Now, if a team wanted to do that, they can do that and bring him to camp. But I think he's at a stage now where, if you just let him, you know, become a free agent, you know, you're you'd probably want to kind of bring him back in a more modest number, even if you're looking at the future. So I don't think that he's going to end up getting claimed. The thought process is you get him on the practice squad, which gives you valuable, you know, veteran 
leadership in the room, juice and energy at practice right as you're starting the week. Shaq Lawson, I mean, this is a guy that knows the scheme, knows the system, has played the Patriots this season two times as a member of the Jets. He's, he's obviously played the Patriots years and years and years, uh, Josh McDaniels' offenses as a, as a member of the Bills. I just think it makes way too much sense. Joe Kroom, our buddy, who does a lot of uh, photos uh, with various members of the, uh, of the Bills, he's, uh, he's, a friend, he's friends with Shaq Lawson, obviously, and he said he spoke to Shaq and he obviously – be interested in returning to Buffalo. They, they, there was no bad feelings when Shaq Lawson left. It just was a, uh, an issue of dollars and cents. He got 10 million a, a, a season to leave. And I, I, you know, I caught some blowback from people like, well, there's a reason the Bills didn't want to bring him back. It had nothing to do with production or, or what he did on the field. He had six and a half sacks last, uh, his last season with the Bills, which up until today would have led the team this season. I thought he was really good. In both phases against the run and the and the pass uh, in 19 helped earn him that new contract. And he just was a little bit too rich for the Bills blood. But I don't think that there's anything from a football perspective that will preclude the Bills from going after Shaq Lawson. No. And, and, you know, Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, they all said the same thing. They didn't want to lose him. It just came down to the amount of money that was being offered and they couldn't match that. Uh, no hard feelings type scenario, but you're right. He had a career years last season in Buffalo, six and a half sacks. He was always strong against the run, but he was really good against the run that year. Very disciplined. Uh, just someone that makes a lot of sense to have on your roster if you can fit him on there, and especially if it's on the practice squad for the rest of this year. Uh, as you mentioned, unlikely to get claimed because, as you put in your article, any player that gets claimed at this point cannot play in the playoffs uh, for a team that were to claim them if they were a playoff team. So it makes more sense to let them clear waivers and maybe a playoff contender brings him in like Buffalo. Real quick, Matt, before we get to that last topic, some, some questions in the chat I've seen. Uh, did Stefan Diggs reach his incentives? Yes, he actually reached that in the first half. He needed six catches. He ended up with nine. He had eight in the first half. And then about the Patriots, Christian Barmore was carted off late in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. The initial reports coming back on that is there's no severe damage, but then MRI is being uh, done tomorrow to see the extent of it. You, you don't want to speculate one way or the other, but usually when a player gets carted off, that you're not they're not expected to play the following week. Uh, but maybe he avoids serious injury altogether, and maybe he will be out there. But yeah, definitely something to watch. He was out. Uh, he was the significant injury. Isaiah Wynn as well left the game at one point for the Patriots, one of their offensive linemen. A couple more things I want to get into before we get out of here. Let's go to special teams, which we kind of hovered around here earlier in the show. You know, that was one of my initial thoughts about this upcoming game. I mean, you go back to the first game and it was a really close ball game and the Bills lost. Obviously couldn't get a lot done offensively. But that play where the Nikhil Harry was back for a punt return, ball goes off of his head. Uh, his helmet and the bills recover and they go on to score a touchdown there. That could have been the difference in the game. And we're in a situation now where Sean McDermott in game today made Marquez Stevenson in a healthy scratch. They've obviously moved in a different direction already from him. And we talked about it during the week. Uh, I just don't feel comfortable with him back there. And you saw it pretty clearly today. Sean McDermott wasn't comfortable with Isaiah McKenzie back there. And so he put, you know, um, Micah Hyde back. He's confident in his ability to make decisions, you know, just grabbing the ball and, and being safe with it. But it's a dangerous game to play. Number one, you're not really 
putting pressure on teams with your return ability, number one, just because of the way that Hyde approaches it. Now, Hyde can run back a kick or two. Like he's got some, some ability to, to make plays in that part of the game, but he's just, he's out there to, 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 to bring a cautious approach, safe approach. So that's part of it. But the other part of it is you're putting, you know, your arguably Pro Bowl caliber safety, who's a key in the secondary with Trenavius White now out in a very precarious, dangerous situation back there returning. He took a couple hits today, you know, running back a couple pun returns. So it's it's a balancing act. You got to kind of measure how much is that worth to you. I mean, I know it's important to take care of the ball, but I I almost wonder if you just got to figure out a, a different option there. Somebody that I was kind of even thinking about is Taiwan Jones. I think he did it a little bit back in Houston. I know he's a, an elite gunner, but that might be something that you just, you have depth there. You have guys that, you know, you've been, you've been developing. You're really good at developing those kind of, um, you know, fringe roster guys on special teams. Maybe you just lean on Saran Neal, give an opportunity to Jaquan Johnson or DeMar Hamlin or somebody in, in that area and let, and let Taiwan Jones return kicks for you if that's the way that you want to go this point it's it's pretty dangerous no matter what they do you don't want mckenzie back there he had two opportunities today uh first one he looked like he was going to catch it fairly uh cleanly and then it kind of slipped out a little bit he landed right on it though no harm no foul second one kind of bounced in front of him or landed in front of him there was a defender nearby he still decided to scoop it up and run with it uh, a little bit of a dangerous play but again didn't fumble it didn't have any issues but after that you didn't see him back there again and it was Micah Hyde and uh, despite them saying they wanted to keep Stevenson in the game last week because they wanted to show confidence he was a healthy scratch so Micah Hyde like you said it's a balancing act I almost feel like the Bills felt like listen Micah go back there if it goes right to you, fair catch it. Uh, if it bounces or if it's short, just let it roll. But in a lot of the scenarios, when it bounced or it rolled, it bounced or rolled right to him. And he almost probably felt obligated, like, I need to pick this up and try to get some extra yards out of it. So if the Bills just want to have him back there just to catch the ball cleanly or simply to steer guys away from it traffic-wise, don't get near the ball, here is where it at, is, is where it's at. I'm okay with that. But, yeah, you you don't want one of your best defenders back there taking those hits, possibly getting injured, uh, especially when your top cornerback is already down and out for the year. You don't want to lose one of those two safeties uh, with the playoffs here on the horizon. So it's a dangerous game. I just I just think, like, the, the Bills right now, they don't have an answer for punt returner. They don't have an answer for punter. They just have a really good holder who's not a very good punter right now. Even McDermott was like, you know, he didn't really dance around it too much. He said it wasn't a good game. He thought he kind of, Matt Hawk kind of made a recovery to a degree. But, you know, this is something, you know, if the wind is going and, you know, I, I took a look at the seven day forecast and, you know, the, the, the wind doesn't look like it could be a major issue. But again, these things can change so quickly when it comes to Orchard Park and this, this stadium setting that it's almost kind of, futile exercise to sit here and try to predict what the weather's going to look like uh, on Saturday. What do you think about uh, while we're on the topic, what do you think about that Saturday primetime 815 time slot? I'm glad it's not Monday night. So <laughs> that's that was my initial thought. No, uh, I like it. I'm okay with that. You know, national audience is going to be, they're going to watch all the playoff games. Let's be honest. But I, I just think that this rivalry between the bills and the Patriots, the fact that, 
it's going to be at a, in a wild environment at uh, Highmark Stadium. Maybe they were trying to get lightning to strike twice in terms of the the craziness of that first game. It was a night game. It was wild weather. Uh, I don't think you're necessarily going to get that this go around, but there, there's a lot of reasons to have it in prime time. But real quick, going back to, to Hawk, you know, he did have some nice punts toward the end of the game. You mentioned uh, Sean McDermott saying that he had the one that was down around the one or the two yard line. He had an earlier one. That was um, down around the 18, but there's just so many that went off the side of the foot. And after the second one, and there was one that was called back, and then he delivered, a, uh, or he had a chance to do a redo, and it was even worse. It was in his head at that point. It was clear as day it was in his head, dropping the snap and trying to run with it so you could get the kickoff and the seven-yard punt. That's not going to work in the playoffs. If, if he has a repeat performance like that against the Patriots or another team, then the Bills are going to find themselves in a hole. They're going to find themselves really struggling in some of these games. So you can't have that. I saw someone joking here about a, one of the punters in this year's draft taking them in the first round. There's some actually really good punters coming out in, in this class. Uh, one or two more special than that. And if the Bills do spend an early day three pick on one, I wouldn't be opposed to that idea just because you need to get that figured out. You need someone that can kick in the elements here in West New York and maybe someone that has that holding experience because that is obviously really important when it comes to Tyler Bass. Let's talk about the trajectory really quick, Ryan, of the playoffs. The Bills open with the Patriots and you look around the rest of the matchups. The Tennessee Titans get the, the bye. The Kansas City Chiefs are the two seed. The Bills are the three seed. The Bengals are the four seed. So if the Bills beat the Patriots, you know, the next logical step is that Casey will take care of business against the, I can't believe it, but the Pittsburgh Steelers made the playoffs uh, thanks to the Raiders W. If it would have finished in a tie, it would have been uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers eliminated and both the Raiders and the Chargers would have made it, which I think we covered at the top of the show. You know, what are your thoughts on that second round matchup against Kansas City? Uh, who, you know, I think have probably the the best first round matchup, I'd argue. Maybe you can make the argument that it's the Raiders, but I just think that that offense for the for the Steelers, it's so anemic. You know, to, to go up against that Baltimore team today and be as bad as they were, I'd love to get a first round matchup with the Steelers. So you figure the Chiefs move on. Where are you at with KC, Buffalo, potentially in round two? Obviously putting the cart before the horse a little bit, but, you know, we can do that. We're, 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 we, we don't play the games. We just talk about the games. Yeah, still, I still think it's a winnable game. I know that the Bills might have to slightly change their game plan from the regular season without Trey White out there. Um, there's, a, you know, Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. They're going to get picked on a little bit in that matchup with Mahomes. But I think the Bills defense will play a similar style where they make him dink and dunk down the field. You saw Denver have really good success in the game with that as well. Uh, truly, if it wasn't for a Melvin Gordon fumble, they, they probably lose that game, that being the Chiefs. Uh, but there's a scoop and score. They take the lead on it, and, and then they're able to hold on. They, they're they still struggling a little bit on offense. The defense that was really hyped up uh, about four weeks ago or for, or for four straight weeks, they struggled against the Bengals, gave up a lot of points there. They struggled against the Broncos. So this is not the same powerhouse team that we've seen the last few years, but 
you like this matchup, like you said, against Pittsburgh, unless TJ Watt goes absolutely wild in that game or the defense goes wild and creates some turnovers. It's hard to believe in Roethlisberger and that offense put up enough points. It was painful to watch him at times today with some of his throws. Uh, he, w- he would have a guy wide open and, and misfire, and then he would actually fire in a great strike to a player. The next play was just very Jekyll and Hyde of him in terms of what we were seeing. But it, I, I think that the Bills heading into Arrowhead Stadium, they've already shown they can win that game. It'll be a little bit tougher, like I said, but I, I still think that that's a game that the Bills could go in and, and win for the second time this season in, in that atmosphere. Um, that's one thing we do have to quickly mention that touchdown throw in the first quarter from Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs was one of the craziest plays I've ever seen. Josh Allen literally got out to his right, bought some time, saw the defensive uh, lineman, you know, barreling down on him and knew he was going to take the hit, like took the hit and, you know, mid hit fired an absolute dart laser on a rope to Stefan Diggs where only he can get it and only he can make what was absolutely sensational throw. It originally was a uh, ruled uh, an incomplete pass. They changed it on the field. It went up and got reviewed. No conclusive ex- evidence to overturn it. And it's a touchdown. It was just a spectacular play. And to your point, it was that kind of day. I, I think that, one of the things that I think Sean McDermott mentioned about Allen's day today, which I think you could take away from it if, if, if you're a Bills fan and be a little bit, you know, upbeat or positive about it is, yeah, it didn't go well throughout the whole game. But along with Brian Dable, they figured out a way to get out of the rut. Uh, they did uh, convert in the red zone. I think the final numbers were Bills three for four in the red zone. So again, that's now 18 of 26 in the red zone to finish the season since halftime in the Tampa Bay game. I mean, that's, that's it. Pretty impressive stuff. You know, I think Josh Allen didn't, again, didn't maybe have his best stuff. There was a lot of stuff with Gabriel Davis. I'm really interested to see how many drops Gabriel Davis ends up getting credited for. I think there was a Dawson Knox play or maybe he had a drop or a miss. There's some miscommunications, more miscommunications today. And it's funny on the heels of listening to Josh Allen and company talk about how important going down the stretch really zeroing in on the on the communication aspect it wasn't high level today in terms of communication yeah there was a lot of issues there in offense but you're, you're right the first touchdown pass was great he almost delivered another strike to digs down the field where it was initially ruled a touchdown and then quickly overturned uh where he had one foot down couldn't get the second one down he had some passes in the back of the end zone he had the nice throw to Dawson Knox so there were still a few Splash plays mixed in, but that first touchdown to to Diggs just showed you a little bit of everything. He kept the play alive for some time. Last possible second, he delivers that strike to Diggs that Diggs is able to haul in and get the Bills on the board. So you're still going to get plays like that in the playoffs. I want to see the Bills kind of unleash Josh a little bit more, not necessarily as a a designed run type play, but give him more opportunities to maybe take off and run if there's nothing there. Because that's when he's at his most dangerous is where teams have to account for that running as well. And I think it opens things up for him in the passing game. If you're hosting a large party this weekend, check out Tops' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless, affordable, no-stress way to impress. Seeing stars here, Ryan. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasyfoodball. Join us this week. We'll have a ton of content for you leading up to Saturday's big game, 
For Ryan Talbot, I am Matt Perino. Smash that like button before you go. Subscribe to the channel if this is your first time here. Buckle up. It's going to be a quick and exciting week. We'll have plenty of stuff for you. See you soon. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.